All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. Driver, and this is Full Bear Radio. It's episode number 79. We got a lot of crazy stuff going on around the world, Don Schreiber. A lot of new data in today that we can discuss, so on and so forth. New trend emerging lately. Uh, very shocking. Shocking, I would say. Shocking. Right? Shocking. Uh, over the last trailing one month, you know, this is uh, the Friday the 13th. So stuff's getting a little crazy here. Value over the last month or so is outperforming growth. Can you no, believe this? No, man. Value's dead. Am I not reading right? Value's dead, dude. I, dude. I read about it last week all dude. week long. All week long, the pundits were out there saying value's dead. Value's it's never going to come back. All of Uh-oh. a sudden, you're telling, me this, you're telling me this week the markets are proving dude. them wrong so like a few days after they yeah, wrote so their, check this out. Their, last, their landmark studies? Last five days. Russell 1000 value up 2.6%. Growth is down uh, 0.16%. Last uh, trailing one month, Russell 1000 value up 4.39%. Russell 1000 growth 1.38%. Okay, so on the large cap side, Mm -hmm. man, we've got value actually outperforming growth. I wonder what those guys were thinking when they wrote the, the I, those uh, tree stays about value I being don't know. dead. See, this is more like it's just along the same lines as, uh, you know, uh, passive always outperforms. Active. Hey, you know what else has happened? I can't believe it. Smid stocks have finally got a bid. No. Yeah. No. Just like value, man. Dude, I don't think you can Come read, on. bro. Smid's Come not on. bad. Smith, Smith's doing nothing. Yeah, actually, that's that's false. Uh, Russell 2000 value up 6.66% Whoa, over the six last five instead days. instead of four. Oh, my God. And, and 3.99% on growth. By the way, last one month, 7.23% on value. Russell 2000 value. Russell 2000 growth, 2.73%. Oh, same thing. But, hey, Smith's rocking harder than the large cap side. Very For the true. first time in, like, 10 years. Well, actually, since 2016. Very true. Bonds up two points. No, no, no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, bonds up, yeah, 2.34%. Uh, that's over the last three months. Actually down over the last month, 0.29%. So so bonds, you know, selling off a little bit here. And value, value stocks making a comeback. Oh, my gosh. I mean, th- this is like the first time on the show. We're 80, almost 80 episodes in. 80 episodes. I don't know that we've talked about value outperforming growth. We'd have to go back and, and comb the transcript for hey, this. Value, we know, we've talked about value supposed to outperform growth, but over the last 10 years, first time in history, a 10-year period, where value did not outperform growth. Hey, hey, Holy moly. Hey, you know what else is up? U.S. retail sales. Hey, I, I think stocks are up, actually. Re- U.S. retail I think, sales. I think like the last seven or eight days. Can you believe it? Yeah, eight days in uh, in a row if uh, it ends positive today. So U.S. retail sales came in today, advanced in August, more than forecast as American hits uh, hit auto showrooms and kept shopping online. 
Man, I tell you what, the U.S. shop shop American shop. Um, the American consumer is the greatest consuming engine in the world. Dude, they're killing it oh right now. Killing Just, it. You cannot stop. Killing it. You, you know, cannot, you not, cannot stop Americans you know, from spending money. You know what else was up after being down? What? University of Michigan consumer sentiment fell off a cliff last month, right? And now it's back again. The the folks say, hey, uh, you know. Uh, we're, we we think things aren't so bad, right? But hey, hey, you know what else has been up? It, it, when it, you know it, it's up now and it was down. What's that? Gamecock football, first game of the season. Oh, geez, man, posting yeah. a loss. Yeah, last game. Oh, yes. yeah, second game. Oh my goodness, put up over 70. 70. You know, going uh, into Alabama, baby. I don't know that we're going to put up seventy on Bama, but no, maybe, no, no. But man, with we a new we, quarterback, we might have yeah, a shot. We here. might have a Let's chance. Just Gamecock it. football, go Gamecocks! Kid can sling it. So, um, hey, you know what else is up? Uh, economists served by, surveyed by Bloomberg reckon there's a reckon. Jeez, uh, great writing here. Reckon. That's awesome. I like how they threw that in there. 35% chance of recession over the next 12 months. Uh, that's up from 15% a year earlier. Man, I think I saw a piece from Gary Schilling mm -hmm. this week, this past week. He says we're already in recession in the U.S. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that, but so investors have been looking at some really key stuff like jobless claims. Right? From what I've seen, the data seems to be getting uh, a little bit better. It was really trending negatively and things kind of have flattened out. Yeah. You okay. know, you got some good news and some bad news. So let me let me let me talk to you about a couple of things here. So jobless claims, right? Mm -hmm. Low. I mean, you can't get lower than we've got here in terms of jobless claims. Um, we're at like 50 year lows or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So what goes down will go up at some point, but it's not looking like that's trending up anytime soon. Consumer spending after starting the year sluggish has, uh, obviously made a, a, a good comeback, right? Mm -hmm. Credit conditions, interest rates, uh, are, are going down. That's a good thing for the consumer. Correct. It is, you okay. know, so some tailwinds even, here. Even, even uh, new housing construction is starting to get a small lift from, mm -hmm. you know, this lower interest rate environment we've been in. Average weekly hours for workers uh, rebounding a little bit after some sluggish manufacturing data. Now, the housing market. Ew. Is this a sign of trouble to come? I mean. Housing is usually a leading indicator of, yep. of what's going on. Been soft for and five, six months. Yeah, Easy. sales. Maybe a year. Oh, sales have been uh, pretty terrible for, for new homes, right, uh, for over a year now. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a shortage of uh, affordable properties for folks. Uh, there's not as many new housing starts. Um as there were, new housing sales are up slightly on a trend over the last few years, but recently have started to fall. Do you think this is a, a, a sign of trouble or do you think, you know, with rates going down a little bit, so on and so forth, mortgage rates still low, the consumer strong. Do you think people will jump back into housing here or do you think this is a sign of more trouble to come? Not clear. Unclear. Unclear. Too, yeah. too, too soon. Too soon to make a call. Too soon to tell. Yeah, I, I actually, is, I actually this think this is you know, like an election here. You know what I mean? It's like you either, uh, you know, the candidate has taken the 
the territory. The early, the early results look like housing's too, weakening. Too close to call. But I think too close to call. You know, we're starting to see a little bit of a turn in the uh, weekly data, and you never know. I mean, you know, we're getting some low mortgage rates. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Go out there and refinance, buy a bigger house. Yeah, uh, equipment orders are down, you know, on a trend over the last couple of years, but seem to be perking up on the last, uh, you know, couple of readings here. I mean, it was down, now it's up again. Hey, listen, you know, we we got to get too too close to call. We got to get positive movement on some of these macro global economic problems like trade, right? Like Brexit. Uh, These are things that we like uh, global growth outside the U.S., slowing and falling and in recession trends like everywhere uh, outside the U.S. And, you know, we got to get some uh, positive uh, movement on some of these things so that the U.S. corporations in the boardroom, they start spending some money because, you know, companies have stopped spending. They just don't know, you know, which way the economy is going. They don't, you know, they don't want to hire too many more people. They don't want to uh, spend on plant and equipment. They're mm-hmm. just holding back everything. And we need that, you know, 17% or so of the economy to start coming to life again mm-hmm. uh, along with the consumer. And then, you know, we get back to things. Hey, one of the things that I really thought was, uh, you know, we saw Mar- Mario Draghi, Super Mario, mm-hmm. uh, decided to, you know, take one last shot at providing some support to the European uh, Union economies by stimulus is back over yeah, there. Yeah, monetary stimulus. Let's do some QE. And, and starting not, November first, and that's not really the important part of it uh, of of what he did. From what I I believe. Right? Oh, really? And we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. He said, "Look, monetary policy has probably hit the limit of its efficacy, meaning it's not going to work any better than it's been working recently." Right. And what we need is we need some uh, fiscal stimulus. That's going to help us. You got to put the fiscal stimulus on with these programs that I'm putting in place here, right? Like right now, and you know Germany, uh, they 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 run uh, their economy with a zero, uh, you know, deficit kind of concept, um, and they have been really against uh, mm-hmm. you know going into deficit financing for fiscal stimulus. But my understanding is they are you know. Uh, uh, Angela Merkel, et cetera, these folks are really considering Germany's the key, uh, adding some fiscal stimulus, not only in Germany, but, you know, across the EU, which is really what needs to be done. We need to do the same thing in the U.S. We need some massive fiscal stimulus. And, right. you know, I, I thought it was, you know, uh, Donald Trump came out and said, look, let's refinance the U.S. debt. Let's, yep. t- let's take debt down. Let's reduce the cost of financing the debt. Debt service, yep. Right? The debt service, this cash flow requirement. Right now, we have a once in a, uh, essentially a lifetime opportunity to lock in these low rates. Let's go long on the low rates. Let's reduce the cost of financing. And if we did, we could increase the debt and we would have no additional uh, uh, cash flow net cost, effect, right? No yep. net effect, right? And we could get this fiscal stimulus and actually get the economy cranking. I like it. I'm telling you, man, that that's smart. So check that's this. smart thinking right there. So check this out. You know what else was smart thinking? Uh, just to go back to your ECB here, the ECB uh, is allowing Deutsche Bank and others 
there's a new tier deposit rate. So Germany's largest lender stands to, which is Deutsche, uh, is going to save 222 million euros a year in annual interest payments, uh, which is exempting a big chunk of the money that Deutsche and other banks hold at the ECB from the negative interest rates. So they're not bleeding them, right? Yeah, well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because, you know, negative interest rates are essentially a toxic cancer in European banks, Mm -hmm. right? They can't make money. Yep. They're bleeding them of their balance sheet assets with this negative interest rate paradigm. And I think it's awesome that they stepped in and said, look, if the banks are going to survive, we're not going to just take them over as a government. We've got to, you know, uh, right size this problem right here with this negative interest rates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Banks always want to have positive rates. So, you know, this really helps them uh in this negative rate environment over there so you know, that that could be very very good banks for, operate uh, banks operate on a spread Europe. between what they pay out right mm-hmm. in terms of interest on yeah. on deposits as an example or or what they uh, keep on loans but in a negative interest rate environment they can't make any money yep there's there's no positive spread there so we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back Investors have been taught to buy and hold, but do they? Bull Bear Radio host Matt Schreiber is debunking some major conventional market wisdom in his latest paper. Check it out over at WBIinsights.com. All right, and we're back. So as usual, if you're not following us on, on the Twitter, you got to do it. WBI CEO, WBI President, Bull Bear Radio. You can check us out on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Google Play, you can uh, say, hey, you know, play me some Bull Bear Radio if uh, you've got Alexa. So check it out uh, and, and listen, please, and, and pass it along to your friends. So here, look, like all the time I see these articles, it's, it, it's like misleading. It's like it totally is fake news, right? There's this dude and he's going to go unnamed, but he always is ragging on active managers don't outperform passives the way to go he thinks he's like some sort of you know investor activist vigilante character right is a dude's name morningstar (laughs) (laughs) same difference right right uh say someone's paying like morningstar somebody's paying this dude's bills right vanguard state street aberdeen we don't don't need to go that far somebody's somebody's paying his bills right we'll just put it that way right because the data is... He may, he may just be an advocate for that. Let's let it there. Whatever. So, you know, the last 20 years, you know what the, uh, you know, uh, average investor made? Don't, don't answer this question yet, Don Schreiber. But do you know what the best performing asset class was over the last 20 years rolling 1998 to 2018? No. No? REITs, man. REITs. Now, would you plow all your money over the last 20 years into REITs, 9.9% annualized? Yeah, if I knew that that was going to be the best performing sector for the next 20 years, because the last 20 is interesting information, but it isn't a guarantee of future results. Gold was 7.7%. Now, you know that like gold, right, has has gone from, you know, almost what, 2,000 and an ounce to like back to a thousand and and it's up from that, you know, so you have to lose half your money to get seven point seven percent per year. OK. Right. OK. I'm just talking, uh, you know, there's yeah. probably gold bugs out there. They yeah. know the numbers better than I do. Yeah. I mean, come on. OK. Oil, seven percent. Yeah. What's this got to do with passive? 
I'm going to get to it. I'm just going right. to get to it. All right. Hold on a second. You know me. I want to get right to the bottom of the line here. So you the know S&P I mean? 500, 5.6%, right? Yeah. Wow. Whopping 5.6%. 20 years. 60-40 portfolio, 52 40-60 portfolio, 5%. And bonds, 4.5%. So wait a second. And I'm, I'm, I'm going from, you know, best performing asset class to the worst performing. Uh, EFI was 4%. Housing, homes, 3.4%. Inflation was 2.2%. You know what the average investor made? Tell me, Matt. Educate me. 1.9%. According to who? Why? Who? Why? Who? Uh, J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan did this Not according to Matt Schreiber or Don Schreiber. J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan. Well, they're a big firm. You know, they might know what they're talking about. They probably know what they're talking about. They've got some investor data, probably. So, Don, why why the average Millions and millions and millions of investors. Why the average investor stink it up? Because they buy high and sell low. Oh. They don't stay the course. Oh. And the reason why they don't stay the course is because they try to invest in passive funds that don't control the downside loss. In a bear market. So the average equity investor uh, over the same time frame, basically. I mean, who wants to hold a thing down 50%? I had a million, now I got 500 grand or 400 grand or 300 grand. So same same difference here. Here's a Dow Bar study, 1998 to 2018. I think that was a 2000. Yeah, that was 1990 to 2018, 1.9%. This one's a, a year either side, right? Dow Bar. This is an investor crisis, right? folks. 5.29% average equity investor. S&P 500, 7.2%. 100,000 invested, went to 280 in the S&P. Uh, no, I meant uh, with the average investor and 100,000 in the S&P went to 401,000. It's a $120,000 difference. Why didn't the uh investor uh once again Don, get the the S&P or better numbers? Cuz they didn't stay the course. Oh, they bailed and failed. I got yeah, it. Yeah, bail okay. and fail, baby. So now, you know, buy I, high, sell low and sit on the sidelines and miss the the bull market returns. Yeah. This is what people You know do. what's even more ridiculous? I hear this all the time from people. Uh, I'm just going to buy and hold the bond and I'll hold it to maturity, collect the coupon, right? I've heard this so many times, hundreds of times, right? Do you know what the average bond investor has done uh, 1998 to the end of 2018? No. 0.44%. 100,000 went to 109,000. That's the average investor That's in bonds. That's the average investor in bonds. Well, I wonder what bonds did. Bonds, 4.98%, 100,000 to 264,000. Whoa, whoa, 4.9 versus 0.44? I, I guess they don't buy and hold those bonds. I don't think so. Okay, so buy and hold to me seems like uh, uh, an illusion. It, it doesn't well, happen. According to these studies, nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it. And the consequence is they don't make any money as an investor. So let's check this This is out. a crisis right, in this, investing. This is for my friend, uh, you know. Uh, name, who, he who has no name. He who has no name. This is for, for my friend. Active manager underperformance myth, right? That active managers stink, so you have to buy passive investments, right? It's not true. Uh, so same time frame It's not here. true. 2000 to the end of 2017. So this is through... Uh, 2017 does not include 2018 or 19 so far, but still two uh, great bull market periods, right? Doesn't even include 2018, right? Uh, two great bull market periods and two brutal bears, right? So, Don, do you think that the top half of uh, mutual fund and active uh, active managers outperform uh, passive benchmark over that time, the S&P 500? Well, I know they do. 
Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Because this dude will will unequivocally say that over no period of time, basically, would a passive, uh, a, a active manager outperform a passive. He'd be, he'd be wrong. All you, to do, all you got to do is look. It's not a big deal. Okay. So if you look at the, the top 50% manager performance decile here, there's 126 products, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the average net of fee performance for the top 50%, mm-hmm. 7.62%. Not 5.4 for the S&P 500 yeah, index. S&P 500 well, that's, is 5.4. That's 222 basis points per year, more returns. So and by the way, by the way, that if you sounds had a million dollars, that sounds good to me. Dollars, it went to $3.8 million. The S&P went to 2.5. That's the top 50%. And oh, by the, by the Does way. Does it get any better than that? Uh, it gets way better than that. Uh, you know, the alpha for this was uh, 3% per year. Uh, the max drawdown was 48%. Top 40% of managers went from uh, 7.6 to 7.94. Top 30%, 8% per year versus 5. Uh, 25, top 25%, 8.59% per year versus 5.4%. Uh, top 20%, 8.89%, the top 10%, 9.71% per year, almost a stinking double over the S&P 500. So if you can find the best active managers, it seems like that hmm. uh, passive versus active uh, you know, outperformance for passive is a myth. Hmm, seems like it to me. It's it's a bad storyboard. So I wanted to talk about this today because, you know, there's some fake news out there. And I know we don't have as big a following maybe as this other guy, but we got an OK one. Right. Got a lot of people on LinkedIn following us and uh, Bull Bear Radio and on our Twitter handles and all that. kind so of stuff. So wait a minute. Does this solve this? this well, we're, we're putting a real information out there, dude. Yep. So, you know, you can get better performance. The thing that, you know, we think is really important is that investors have a risk or a loss profile that they actually can stomach a, a certain amount a certain of certain amount of, of loss. So as an investor, I'm a pretty conservative guy, right? Oh man, me I, too. You know, if I hate losing uh, on, on a million dollars, if I see my account go down like 200,000, oh. I'm going to be in, I'm going to be upset. Dude, if I right? have a million dollars, that's 20%, right? There's most people I've been doing this for 38 years now. Great bear. Almost 40 song, years, by the way, if I had a million dollars, Right. Uh, I don't know where that comes in, but that's okay. You I know, went to go random see, thoughts. I went, I went to go see bare naked ladies and Hootie and the Blowfish. Dude, let's get back of, to this thing here. Ago. Wait a minute. You, you, you're running, running down the wrong uh, uh, road here. Oh. So um, investors, in my experience, are, you know, most investors will take it down 10%, maybe be down 100000 on a cash. You know, look at their statement. No one likes to be down. And the more they're down, they've lost in terms of capital, whether they're looking at their statement or they're they're signed on online, which, you know, people look at this stuff all day long now. Yeah. Right. So they're hypersensitive to the amount of times a day, the amount of capital that they're losing. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is why people bail on their investment and fail. So the important thing is to get understand you have to take some downside loss if you want the higher returns that are offered and you have to build portfolios logically mathematically to get to the point where you have a well-designed portfolio if you've got a down 20 loss profile 
then you should build a portfolio that'll give you approximately that down 20 loss profile. And as long as you're, you're in a bear market, you're scared to death. If you're down 20, you're still scared to death. But as long as the portfolio is behaving correctly and you're not losing more capital than that, you've got to stay the course to get these higher returns. I mean, a 9.71, a million dollars goes to 5.3 million or 5.4 million versus the S&P at 2.5. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So what you have to be able to do is you have to rationalize this. And I think that addressing the fact that passive isn't the only game in town, that the best active managers give you a, a performance profile that is incredibly more powerful. And you combine and build portfolios so that you also solve the basic problem. The basic problem isn't the return. It's, it's always the, about the return, isn't it? No, man. It's about capital and preserving capital within your risk profile so that you can stay the course, actually do buy and hold this portfolio structure that's been created for you to give you the outcome you want. Yeah, but the S&P 500 up 22% this year, and I'm not up that. Yeah, up 22% trailing. Up this a, year. It's up on 22%. A, Come yes. on. What, what, on a trailing 12-month basis, the S&P is up now. 2%. Who cares? Trailing 12 months. It's Trailing barely 12 up. months. Barely up. So it went down a lot, went up a lot. Right. But it went and the nowhere. Last time, gosh, the last time I looked, what I need my capital for is not for it to go up today. It's that when I go to retire, I have the largest capital base, capital base yes. to produce income so that I can enjoy my retirement, baby. I got it. And that has a lot to do with making sure I keep my capital intact and I grow the capital consistently, and I don't need the highest return. Okay. So, thanks, Don. Um, so, my recommendation today, bye, 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 Bull Bear Radio. Okay? Buy it's not bull, a security. Just buy, buy Bull Bear Radio. <laughs> buy yeah. Bull Bear Radio here. It's, and Folks, it's it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it's free advice, man. So, it's, bye, bye, bye. It's free. Sell, sell, sell some of the crap that you see on the, uh, you know, on the interweb. Have a great one. We'll see you for episode number 80 next week. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this reporting. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time. And there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations, services, and fees are in the form ADV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments Inc.